and welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Well, we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron, also of Glacier Musical, and I'm joined by my good friend, the musical video... I got nothing. Duncan Evans from Leeds. How are we doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah, so Iron Maiden last night in London, the last day of the UK tour... Well, um, I saw Grand Funk Railroads. So that's basically the okay, same thing. Okay, all right, okay. I don't really know their stuff, to be honest. I think I've got a record of theirs on vinyl somewhere kicking around. But um, Well, they're an American band, so I don't know if they ever tour over there. I think they exclusively uh, tour in America. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But yeah, Maiden were great, as always. I've, I've seen them like five times. The friend who I went with has seen them like 30 times. I think he's seen them on every tour at least once since 1995 um probably more than once on several tours well it must have been um but yeah yeah they were they were cool and we were standing it was the o2 arena which is huge but we were standing so we got pretty close to the front and um you know it was all the usual stuff um firework fights with eddie and uh you know all the usual and bruce's voice was on form so that was great um i'm very envious and i strongly look forward to the live recording of the tour because they only come to St. Louis about once every five years. I've seen them four times, saw them on the Fear of the Dark, the Brave New World, Leg, um, Legacy no, of the Beast. No, no, no. Uh, seven, the, the redo of Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I know the one, yeah, yeah, like 13, I think, and then the, the last one, um. Book of Souls, maybe. Book of Souls, yes. My mm-hmm. brain is not working. I can't remember these things. But I, yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen the set list. It's pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing it was great. of it. I will not listen to, I will not watch any videos or anything like that until I actually hear it because I want to be somewhat surprised, even though. Yeah, it was, uh, an in- yeah, well, I won't give you any spoilers, but it was a, or oh, maybe you've already seen the set list, but it, yeah, it was I've a really interesting, list. varied, different set list. Not, not, uh, not a standard greatest hit set at all. Obviously, you know, it's, it's uh, Senjutsu and Somewhere in Time, mostly, but not all. But yeah, it was a very cool set list. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. So how are you doing? I didn't ask that. I am spectacular. We've been working hard at the other place. Uh, we're coming to a head on decisions and blah, blah, blah. I also have a yard sale coming up, which I'll have a lot of vinyl for sale that well, that nobody under 60 is going to want. But uh, that's neither here nor there. What are we doing special today, Duncan? Well, OK, well, we're doing two things. So we are talking about an album which is uh, called Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. And that is by the band of the same name. Who I don't think they exist anymore, but they feature uh, Tad Doyle, uh, better known or best known as the frontman slash person only man. I don't know of Tad. Basically, the band named after him is the uh, the word I'm looking for. Eponymous, the eponymous band Tad. I love that the name of the band is based off of his initials. It is, yeah, whatever it is, Thomas something Doyle or some something like that, isn't it? Yeah. So, but yeah, so so this is from 2015. Um, it's fairly uh, unheard of. Um, so it fits our criteria. It's even so unheard of that, that neither the band nor the album have their own Wikipedia entry. So normally we we kind of rely on Wikipedia for our research because we're lazy, but we can't couldn't even do that today. Um, I went to Encyclopedia Metallum because I am extra. Oh, well, there you go. I, yeah, I just generally Googled it and found a few interviews and bios and things on their uh, label site and stuff. But yeah, I'll also, also say it didn't tell yeah. me anything I didn't know already. Which okay. Very okay. Much. Well, we're also joined by a special guest, Nina Saidi of Lowen. Um, so hello, Nina. I think this is where we bring you in. Am I correct, Nick? Well, yes, but I was supposed to glow up. But Oh, well, so you, will you glow up then? You can do that as well. Uh well, no, now I don't want to. I mean, okay, I do, well, but I'm, I've, I've lost the moment. We, okay. We're thankful to be joined by somebody. You know, I, I checked out. I'm sorry, I'm not, I was not familiar with Lowen before this morning. I did check out the 11-minute acoustic track. That was hauntingly wonderful. And as I was listening to it, I was thinking to myself, this is precisely why Duncan invited Nina, because I totally, I, I, Duncan and I have very similar music tastes, but when it's not the same, it's very different. And he is very big on acoustic, acoustic metal, which he also plays wonderfully, I might add. But 
uh, I also checked out a couple of the the electric tracks. I loved the fuzz. I loved all that good stuff. And it's in it, your your Bandcamp describes it as crushing progressive doom. I think that basically nails it one hundred percent. How are you doing today? I'll shut up now. <laughs> Hello, thank you so much for having me on. Um, very very kind words from from you regarding the music. Um, I already forgot what you asked me. How am I today? I'm okay. It's kind of warm in the UK. It's like 25 degrees which for a british person is horrific 25 yeah. oh my god i would kill for 25 <laughs> uh, it's just started well about an, an hour or two ago it just started raining it all broke up here in leeds i don't know i think you're you're in london maybe or in the south so i don't know if, it, if that's happened if that's reached you yet down there no i'm looking forward to that though thanks for the heads up no it's just you go. horribly stuffy here actually yeah. it's only 28 in st louis right now Oh, well, there you go. But 25 is still a little bit cooler for you. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Nina, do you want to tell us about Loan, um, who you are, maybe how you formed, what you've been doing recently, all that good stuff? Sure. Um, so Loan is, as you um, described earlier, it's crushing progressive doom. But um, the thing that makes us a bit different is that it's also Middle Eastern. Um, I'm Iranian. I was sort of raised between two cultures. I've never been able to go back to Iran for political reasons. I would literally be killed for going there. Um, heavy metal is illegal there. Women can't sing there. It's like literally punishable by death. Um, so a big part of what we do is sort of being Middle Eastern in like a fuck you way um, and also being really heavy. Um, and we really enjoy science fiction, really enjoy progressive stuff. So I have one foot in the sort of like 70s prog and the other foot in like crushingly heavy death metal and doom metal. Um, so I recently someone... realized that I've become an annoying prog fan <laughs> when I discovered I have seven Genesis records. Amazing. Wow. I just kind of went, wow, those kind of crept up on me. <laughs> yeah, I've been telling everyone I know about um, August by Wishbone Ash recently because it's like one yeah. of my favorite albums ever written. Um, the band we formed at an Akakoka concert, which is like a black and death metal band that's like pretty, pretty underground, pretty British. So we formed in the front row of one of their concerts in like 2017. And nice. Amazing. So I think you've got a few releases so far. Is it is it one full length album and an EP? Is that right? Yeah. So we had we released The Crypt in the Stars in 2018 um, and that was yeah. very much a debut album. We were still kind of finding our feet. Um, and then we released an EP in 2021. Um, two of the tracks were fully improvised. One was in Akkadian, one was in Sumerian. So I went and I worked with an ethno archaeomusicologist um, to learn how ancient music would have potentially sounded from the Mesopotamian region. Um, and he he like literally had like excavated the ruins of Nineveh, he'd reconstructed the golden lyre of Ur, he knew his stuff. Um, and he was basically just like, it's kind of in your blood, just go with it, here's how you pronounce these words probably. Um, and we, so we just fully improvised those tracks and we recorded them, that's exactly how it sounded when we did them, there's no changes been made. And I did like a lullaby, uh, an Iranian lullaby. And right now we're, we're recording, we're demoing almost in about to go into the studio for our second full length album. If um, I could go back to you writing and singing a song in Sumerian, yeah, you've definitely classed up this show quite a bit. This is the first <laughs> Mesopotamian discussion we've ever had. So um, I'm either going to sound really smart or really stupid here in just one second. But did you write the lyrics in cuneiform or in the in the Roman alphabet? So basically, the lyrics were arranged from ancient tablets. So I went and I found old lamentation poetry which is why the record is called unceasing lamentations which is also actually um, i don't think i've ever told anyone this but it's a quote from a war general who was at the time um fighting it was persia versus the greeks basically uh, i think in like what is now turkey and he described the war as, as consisting of unceasing lamentations um and you know the, the record happened during covid so unceasing lamentations kind of fit the bill and i was reading a lot of um destruction poetry which was like lamentation poetry of cities that had been um, sacked during horrible wars. Um, and I, I found it really poignant, um, basically. It's very, very like brutally sad poetry. And yet at the same time, it's kind of like, 
yeah, everything's fucked. Um, sorry, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we we we've never really decided. But it, but it, ha- it, it happens from time to time, so it's cool. I wouldn't worry about it. So yeah, good. don't worry about it. So, to... so it was written in cuneiform originally. Yeah, it's it's legit. It's legitimate poetry. Um, I arranged, I went and I found transliterations, some of which um, the guy I worked with was called Richard Dumbrill. He's a fantastic academic. Um, and there's like very, some of the oldest depictions of music are in cuneiform. And he's done a lot of research into this um, and uncovered a lot of, fascinating poetry that was also sung because lyric and poetry very intertwined um and so yeah I, I one of them is actually one of the songs is a tuning song so it's about tuning each string of a lyre uh, which i i thought was kind of interesting to re what's the word reanimate after a few thousand years <laughs> this is now officially my favorite conversation we've ever had on this show no way <laughs> Yes, I I love Mesopotamia. I love the cradle of civilization and, and going back to all that. So, uh, am I either going to sound smart or stupid again? Are there any songs about ziggurats, or we did you leave that out? So, on the heavy record, we have a song about ziggurats um, because it. I like ziggurats. They're very cool. Um, you know, first cities, first languages, first writing. I had to I had to go for the ziggurat early on. Just going to point out, because if, if I think memory serves on this one, we have only been able to read this language for about six or seven years. When when I studied Mesopotamia back in high school, back in the 90s, we could not read any of the Sumerian anything. The first thing we could read was Gilgamesh, I believe. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think Linear B was only very recently deciphered. Um, and there was, I remember being a teenager and watching documentaries about it and they were like, well, maybe we'll never understand this language. And I thought Akkadian was really interesting because there were, I think it's Akkadian and not Sumerian. There are no known roots to the language. Um, and I think that's very, as someone who's interested in languages in general, I think the history of a word can be so, it can reveal so much about culture and history. Completely so agree. Having, yeah, having a language where you don't know how it formed or where it comes from and there being no no children of that language to to trace back to it is really interesting. Completely agree. We are really going to get onto the nerdy path of the the linguist path, which I love, but I don't think our listeners are here for uh, polyglots today. So let's talk about uh, the album you've got coming up. How, what are you hoping that's going to be different? What are you hoping is going to be the same? So the album is incredibly different. Um, We all leveled up as musicians since we released the 2018 debut. Um, It's extremely heavy. I pushed for a lot of double pedal, double kick pedal. We've got triggers. We have like an amazing death metal drummer, Flo Tallman, who's working with us. Um, We have a really incredible producer lined up. I don't want to say who it is just yet because I don't want to jinx it. Um, But he's worked with some like of my favorite singers of all time. Um, yeah, I am, I'm really excited to reveal the album, but I don't want to say too much until it's finished. But basically a lot of the album is to do with the sort of uprising in Iran that's been happening over the past almost year now. So I don't know how familiar you are with what's happened, but, um, basically Masa Amini, who was, um, a Kurdish girl was shot, um, by the authority. She was killed, um, really, really horribly. And there's just been a push for revolution since that happened in like November last year and there's been been some like really horrific stuff that's happened like school children have been gassed on a regular basis like little girls they're trying to stop women from educating themselves Um, Iran has like the highest female literacy rate in I think the world and like um, the most educated women they're more educated than their male counterparts and I think that's this this revolution is a woman-led revolution so a lot of the album is to do with fighting and war and empowerment and also it's very brutal and heavy at the same time very cool sounds good one thing i i hear a lot from elder fans people my age and older they always say you know music shouldn't be political artists should keep their mouths shut and Mm -hmm. i completely disagree with that and all art is political all music is political whether you want it to be or not you know, a band like Kiss, whether they say they are or not, they are political. If all you care about in this world is going out and having a good time, uh, the policy, the politic, the politics there is: life is good, everything is fine, don't change anything. However, in 1974, I think we'd all agree that things needed to have been changed. But 
I will digress yeah. way too far if I continue. <laughs> Duncan, uh, I will do, let you take over for a minute. Yeah, no, it's cool. So do you have a release date set yet or a rough release time scheduled? Not yet. Um, I'm hoping next year, not too mm-hmm. late next year, but I'm hoping next year we are super, super close to finishing the demos. It might even be finished in the next two, three weeks. Amazing. And are you going to self-release or are you going to work with a label or are you looking for labels at the moment or anything like that? That's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure yet. So I'm kind of umming and eyeing between the two. I've self-released everything else we've done so far, um, but I would be willing to work with the right label. Um, I've not approached any just yet. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to record everything properly first and not necessarily send demos out. I'm going to send the record out when it's finished and then see if we can take it from there because we've got everything. We can sort the recording and all that stuff out. The main thing I would need a label for is for the distribution to like hopefully get vinyl quicker because at the mm-hmm. moment there's like a seven month lead time and it's ridiculous. The sem- to- yeah, but the seven month lead time is actually way better than the 80 month lead time we yeah. had a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so so in terms of live stuff, so I think you played Desert Fest recently. And I, unfortunately, I missed you. I was there. But um, I yeah, I, I don't think I just I don't even think I knew you were playing until afterwards. But um, but well, how did that go for a start? Because Desert Fest is obviously an amazing, uh, amazing festival. Loads of very cool artists there. Which which venue did you play and how did it all go? It was amazing. Um, it was a bucket list um, gig for us, Desert Fest. So we played the dev which is yeah, yeah. the smallest venue, but it was packed. Like there were people looking in through the windows outside because they couldn't get wow. into the dev to see us play. So, wow, I really wasn't expecting it. And I think it was about 20 minutes before we were going on and it was already full and it was kind of awkward because we were just standing in the corner just being like, I'm sorry, we're, we're not playing yet. I felt really bad that people were waiting to see us, but it was the ultimate compliment as well. Amazing, amazing. And have you got any more shows lined up or any tours maybe or anything like that happening? So we have uh, Doom Lines coming up in July um, on the 23rd in Sheffield. So that's going to be really, really fun. There's an amazing lineup. I think Slift and Slab Dragger are on that, on that lineup. We have a London show that's going to hopefully be announced soon, but I can't say anything about that yet. Um, and we have, we have, I think, Brighton Doomsday next summer and another festival that, again, I can't say just yet. So we do have stuff coming up, but I can't say everything that we've got. I noticed you didn't Amazing. say anything about crossing the pond into America yet. I wish. I really wish. If anyone invites us, we'll come. Just uh, one thing I always tell people who've never been here, America is huge. Yeah. And- I don't think most people realize quite how big it is. Duncan, what what I love about Duncan is that he's so very English. So we have this wonderful kind of American English odd couple thing going on. When he he talks about, oh, I drove so far last week. I'm like, oh, where did you go? 30 minutes away. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's my daily commute. All the way to Doncaster. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's my daily commute in my electric car. I mean, that's... We we drove. We had a vacation this year where we drove about twenty four hundred miles, and you probably only went one state away. No, we went to the coast. We <laughs> went all the way to the ocean, the closer ocean, not the farther away ocean. That would have been a lot longer. But I, yeah, it's like especially where I am in the Midwest, it is your five hours between cities minimum. Wow, that's yeah, wild. that yeah. is crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the accents have changed like 18 times in the UK if you drive for five hours. In fact, oh, if you drive for five hours, you've probably gone off the end of it. Like, <laughs> in, most, in most cases, like, you, yeah. Well, I mean, so. we where I live, because we live right in the middle. So if you go uh, 60 miles or uh, what is the, how many kilometers is that? Uh, 100, 100 kilometers north or 100 kilometers south. If you go north, it gets cold. If you go south, it gets hot. Yeah. Like, we still do miles in the UK, by the way. It's oh, all okay. Bit, it's really weird over here. Like, we went metric, but then we kind of didn't because loads of people said, no, we want miles and pints, please. But, yeah, we'll have centimeters and whatever. So it's all it's weird. All the signposts are still in miles. Okay, fair enough. Well, if you go there 60 you go. miles north, the temperature drops about 20 degrees Fahrenheit which is about eight degrees Celsius. And if you wow. go south 100 miles, the temperature goes up 20 degrees. And 
you have gone through about seven different accents because we have four different accents just in our city alone. Wow. But But you you have to really know American accents to to tell that there's a difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. All right. Well, I think we're going to hear a track from Lowen um, quite in a little while. But um, firstly, I feel we should talk about the record that we are looking into today. So this is uh, brother. I keep forgetting the name of it. Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. Um, so, what did you guys find out about this in terms of the background and everything? Well, if you, if you don't mind, I will I will start a little bit. I find it funny that uh, Brothers of the Sonic Cloth is a trio of two dudes and one lady. So I don't know that brothers was the right term. The leader, as we discussed, was Tad. Uh, what was his for? Oh God, I don't Tad remember. Tad Doyle. Tad yes, Doyle. Tad Doyle. That's correct. So Tad Doyle is the leader. His wife Peggy is the bass player, and they've also got a drummer. The band itself was formed in 2006. But to really understand why we're talking about this particular band, we have to go back a little ways. Originally in 1988-ish, the grunge doom crust something or other band Tad was signed by Sub Hop Records, and they put out several albums. And they they were listed as Metal Injection's top five heaviest grunge bands. But I never saw them as grunge personally. In- yeah, and I think Tad agrees with that. I think Tad's like, I don't know what grunge means, but, you know, we just do our thing type of in, thing. In 1992, 1993, I was 17, 18-19, and there was a huge delineation between those two things like if you listen to bad motor finger by Soundgarden, that's not grunge that's a metal record if you listen to dirt by allison chains it's it's if you would listen to it fresh years now it's metal but it wasn't metal like metal was then because the idea of all this factioning didn't exist we had heavy metal we had speed metal and we had death metal that was all we had and if you didn't fit one of those things you were grunge so Tad becomes grunge, although I first heard them on a heavy metal radio show called The Mosh, which was six hours of metal from 6 p.m. to 12 a.m. on a college radio station. And that dude would play any request you asked for. Nice. Oh, is this where I speak for a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, here. right. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in terms of the the membership, the the drummer Dave French, I believe he joined Yob like a couple of years ago. So at the time, he wasn't in Yob, but now he's Yob's drummer. So there's another link there. Um, so I believe this was re- released on Neurot Records or Neuro. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it, but that's um, like Neurosis's record label. I'm not sure if it's St- maybe Steve Von Till who runs that. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and it was produced by a guy called uh, Billy Anderson, who had also worked with Neurosis and loads of other bands of maybe a similar nature, kind of post-rock um, bands throughout the 90s and maybe early 2000s, largely. Um, yeah, and I think this was mostly written by Tad Doyle himself, and he kind of demoed it all and then... His wife was like, well, I could play bass on it as well. And then they they kind of made it into a band, but he'd sort of planned it all and um, layered it up in demo form first. Um, and I think they, I'm not sure how much live stuff they did. I think they did do it live, but I don't, I don't know what happened. I suppose what I'm trying to get at is I don't know where it all uh, kind of disappeared because as far as I'm aware, they do not exist anymore. They and, are on indefinite hiatus as right. of 2017. So that hiatus has now been six years and they were formed in aught six. So it took nine years for a record even to come out. And it's not like this record is all that long. I listened to the vinyl copy, which I bought not long after I started buying records again. Okay. So, and I, and mine might not even have all the tracks. It's only got five tracks. So I may not be able to do real well. Oh, right. Well, there's seven tracks on the full version, but it's fine. We'll do, yeah. One of them is just an outro thing anyway. But yeah, look, I'm just looking now. They did release a split in 2009. Um, so yeah, they did do, did do something else. But, um, yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot of other background on this. I don't know, Nina, did you find anything? We've probably just been rambling on and we've probably said it all, but I don't know if you found anything else in terms of the background or anything like that. I don't think you guys are rambling. Um, <laughs> the only other thing was I saw the French drummer also used to play with Steve Von Till live, so that's like part of the neurosis connection. Right. 
guys were talking about. Um, yeah. Apart from that, the, all my research, you guys said. There's yeah, not sorry, really a whole <laughs> lot out there. It's. <sighs> yeah. I did see that um, Tad were going to go on tour with Nirvana and it fell through because according to Tad, his ex-girlfriend had a fight with Courtney Love backstage during one of their shows in Seattle, I think. Oh, wow. So that was like in the late 80s or something? Yeah, I think it was like late 80s, early 90s. I think it was right. like the 90s or Nirvana tour. I'm not very good at remembering. Okay. But it was really juicy. Um, but then apparently Courtney Love said that that never happened. But there's a book in which I think by one of the members of Tad, I don't know if it's Tad Doyle's book or what, where they describe the fight and the girlfriends were like pulling each other's hair. I think it was the bassist of Tad. And the girls wow. were like pulling each other's hair. And then Tad and Kurt Cobain were sort of just slumped over in their chairs like, oh, God. And not getting involved. <laughs> so, well, I mean... you know, Courtney Love had all these fights that apparently never happened. Hmm. So I tend to think that, you know, she's basically looking around a room going, everybody here is lying but me. All the time. There, so... you, there you go. She might have a fight with you next, Nick. She might oh write into God. the podcast. That would be <laughs> awesome. I, I am ready anywhere, anytime, Courtney. I hate you. I did actually. I I do like uh, Courtney Love and how I'm. I you know I anyway. I like she's Courtney probably... Love as an actress. She's a great actress, but okay. I, I really like the music. I really like how. And I saw Courtney Love. This must be about ten years ago, and um, I met the band. But I didn't meet her because she was staying in a hotel somewhere. But I I basically just walked by chance after the show. I walked past the tour bus, and they were all hanging out outside. Um, Ginger from the Wild Hearts and uh, such people, you know. So that that was cool. It was great actually. It was a cool show. Um. My yeah, wife is so a big fan of Hole, and uh, it, it's kind of funny when we got together. I, I did not realize how much she loved like alternative music and all that kind of stuff. So I, I asked her jokingly when we were flirting, I'm like, "You like heavy metal, right?" Because I mean, it was it's such a big part of who I am that you I mean you can't deal with me if you're not so metal. She's like, "Oh yeah," uh, she thought I said hair metal. <laughs> but here we go. are, you know, almost twenty years later. So I guess it worked out okay. Um, now I'm rambling so we are now at the point of the podcast where we are going to play a song by Lowen Nina I will let you introduce yeah sure so the song that I have I'm literally choosing for you right now um, I I think the best song would be A Crypt in the Stars which is a title track of our debut album it's about um, a ship being lost in space um, and like an evil entity for a second, I thought you said a shit being taken in space. Why not? It could be. It could be about that too. If if you read my lyrics, I've I've left them somewhat open ended. So if you want to make it about a shit in space, you absolutely can. I give you uh, full creative freedom. I once had a professor that said, if if it's in the text and you can prove it, it that's what it is. Exactly. I should also mention, she did not. She meant that for herself. Not for her students, because whenever I came back with anything, nope, I was wrong, even though I could show it in the text. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's a great track. Um, I listened to that just before we came on, actually. Um, brilliant track. Um, okay. All right. Well, let's do that. Um, enjoy the track, people. And um, we will be back after a short break. Nick normally says this. I feel strange saying it, but um, I whenever think that's we right. have a guest, did I say it? All, did I say when, it right? Whenever we have a guest, you always take my bits. <laughs> well, this time definitely. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> we'll be right back, everybody.
And welcome back. Love that song. I've forgotten the name of it because I'm a professional. Thank you very much, Nina, for letting us play that. See, I almost I almost had a Duncan laugh. I almost had one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But if we are ready, let's it's uh, I don't know about you in in St. Louis here. It's pretty hot and the floor is lava. <laughs> All right. That's track one. So um, am I going first on these or is Nina going first, Nick? Wow. All of a sudden you defer to me. OK, <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea who wants to go first. You can you can Rochambeau for it. Nina, do you want to go first? I can. I'm not very good at track by track breakdowns because um, what happens is I get two free tracks in and then I just forget that I'm doing a track by track breakdown. Oh, um, you were supposed to do my work for me. <laughs> but well, I, do, I can start if you want, whatever you want. I did write, um, I did start my track by track breakdown. So well, the good news is this only has five. No, it's got seven on this version that we listened to. Yeah, I listened to this. Ah, nice. Um, that is cool. That, Nick's holding up the vinyl copy, by the way, just for listeners that can't yeah, tell. Yeah, there's no Wikipedia page, so I can't bring it up on my phone, so I had to grab the vinyl so I know the names of the damn songs. <laughs> cool. So, um, All right. for the beginning, um, I really like it when bands are, like, really ballsy and they don't have, like, a vibey intro. So they just went straight into it. Um, they have, like... The first, all the tracks were slightly different, which I really like. I like they didn't just stick it with one like vocal style, one instrumental style. So I've written down that with Lava, they go straight in. They've got these sledgehammer riffs and the vocals like straight away. I think it's like the most neurosis -y record, not record, neurosis -y track on the album in terms of the vocals. So um, when I saw they were on Neurorot and then I listened to this, I was like, I totally understand why neurosis probably enjoyed this particular album yeah totally um so yeah it starts with, like you say with some big dark scuzzy stoner doom type riffs um really cool riffs gets a bit more groovy this one you've got a bit of bluesiness in there but still heavy chuggy grinding slow um yeah some really nice shouty growly vocals yeah very neurosis like you say really like the bass tone you've got this big distorted bass tone and it's got a live feel i mean i know there are there must be quite a few guitar overdubs i think he talks about this that you layered up a lot of guitars um but it still feels like a band playing live in the room and yeah i really like it i think it's a brilliant track brilliant opener and just to say as well the tracks are mostly pretty long i think this is one of the shorter ones i think this is like maybe only about five minutes no i think this one is like maybe three minutes even but then they get longer and longer as they go through and then get shorter and shorter towards the end again so yeah great track great opener it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned the live feel and it absolutely has a live feel and that is the kind of organic music that someone like me whose first album was a live record really love so you know bob rock said to metallica before they recorded the black album you've never sounded on your albums like a band playing and so that that's the kind of thing that's always really stuck with me and with lava yeah it's shouty it's doomy it's it's just it is an amazing opener for this album i also have no idea how long any of these tracks are because i know the first side has three tracks and the second side has two tracks that's all I know. And it doesn't have the, it doesn't, maybe it's on the inside. Nope. I got the well, lyrics though. I, oh. Yeah. I think, where did I find it? I can't even remember where it, I can't see it now. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I've got them here. So yeah, this first one is two minutes, 54. Then it goes like seven minutes, 52, eight minutes, 14, 11 minutes, 03 by track four. And then we're down to eight minutes, 19. And then on the version that we listen to, you've got a four minute, 21 and a two minute and six one. I don't think the thing is, even with the seven tracks, it's only 44 minutes and 44 seconds. So they could have squeezed that onto a vinyl one record, but I don't know why they didn't, but who knows? I don't ask questions, but the, the, the live album feel is interesting because half of this minimum was recorded at Tad Doyle's own studio. That's part of, I, I think, don't quote me, but I believe that's his day job as he owns a studio. I think Seattle. so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. So if you own the studio, correct me if I'm wrong, but you just have unlimited studio, unlimited studio time at that point. Right. That's how that works. Well, yeah. Unless someone else has booked it. Yeah. You do what you want. Yeah, totally. 
So it, that's a cool thing that it does have that dirty, scuzzy live feel, even though he owns the studio and can do whatever he wants. True, true. In, oh, I'm dropping things, in my humble opinion. But you know what? It's, you know, it, it's his place. It's his kingdom. It's his empires of dust. If that's nobody, track. If no one is paying for studio time. Yeah, that's track too. So Nina, what did you get for this one? So um, this one I thought was more funerary. So, oh, my voice broke there. Wow. Um, so it's more funerary. Um, definitely more like doomy in terms of it's more like spread out. I thought the vocals were more disto- distorted, but there's like a slow trudge, which like definitely I wrote down a slower trudge through broken down wreckage of a civilization, which is definitely how this made me feel like I'm walking through a burnt out city or something. Well, the lyrics are nice. Netherworld beckons thee. When the portal calls, all shall enter like seed to soil, like wind to sail. Ooh. Nice. You've got the lyrics on the back, have you? That's cool. Yes, I do. Because I couldn't hear some of them you can hear a bit later on, but, but when he's doing the growly voice, I couldn't really make them out very well. That is the most of the lyrics I've ever known. And there you I've go. I've had this. I, rev- I actually reviewed this back in the day. It was one of my first reviews. 2015. Nice. Yeah. So, nice. yeah, it's one of my first reviews. Uh, I don't remember what I said. I'm sure it was positive. Obviously, spoiler alert. Everybody knows I got the record here. So, I mean, everybody knows what I'm doing. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, I like this one a lot as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with Nina. It's uh, funerary. I like that word. Um, Super sludgy, bludgeoning, slow, even slower, snarled, growly, distant, demonic vocals, which I liked a lot. And yeah, a bit more metal. Um, you know, there's a few harmony guitars in the kind of classic metal style. A bit, I guess, a bit like My Dying Bride, where they're doing the kind of classic metal harmonies, but very slowed down and doomy. Um, it keeps building great dynamics. Um, and there's a bit of a breakdown with some really nice, big, heavy drum fills and droning guitars. Um, but yeah, great track. I got to say, this this episode is a banner episode. We have got such great references as Sumeria, Cuneiform, ziggurats, and my dying bride. <laughs> we are just killing it this week. As for this particular track, if you are a long form doom metal band, like I would say this one is, like Konoma, like Un, like Dusk, uh, which nobody's heard of. Dusk is a great uh, funeral doom metal band that existed before funeral doom metal did. They kind of started it, but nobody knows who the hell they are because nobody cared but you can do it one of two ways you can do this amazing progressive thing like black sabbath did or you can just like do this one riff and then just riff off of that riff for eight minutes also like black sabbath did they they did it all i mean they literally did everything but I, I love the doom metal bands that go, you know what? This riff is awesome. It's so awesome. We can play it for 28 minutes, but let's tuck mm-hmm. it back. Let's only play it for six. And then we'll come up with a solo. We'll do some lyrics. It'll be great. And if that riff is good enough, you have a track like Empires of Dust. Empire's Dust is a great track. It's heavy, it's angry, it's everything. It is everything I love about Doom Metal. Even though apparently the guy that wrote it is a grunger, but he does not realize it. All right. So, moving forward, I mean, how in the world am I supposed to make a pun for unnamed? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's it. Unnamed, track three. Go on, Nina. Um, This is where I just started vibing really hard. (laughs) and um like I think this track was like I don't think it from my memory which is not great because at this point I was just sort of like floating away in into the the sort of depths of the album and that's Um, what that's the best kind of doom metal yeah when all of a sudden I mean it's it's like the blues right everybody thinks oh I don't like the blues it's I don't want to be sad you don't feel sad when you listen to the blues you feel awesome and Hmm. doom metal which realistically speaking is the most uh it's the music with the greatest existential crises but it feels great when done right totally i think this album is definitely an existential crisis album as well 
from like I only managed to find the lyrics for one song which we'll come to later but I definitely got this vibe from that album and it certainly got me pretty existential oh my I just read the lyrics yeah yeah I think this I read what in an interview he said this is about the idea that like identity like um you know you might say I play guitar therefore I'm a guitarist and that's who I am but he was sort of wrestling with this idea in his mind and uh and coming up with the, the the conclusion that actually he's not really anything that you can't really name what you are and therefore he's unnamed so there you go i don't know if the lyrics suggest that or not i am unnamed the sky will split open to receive to roam free of the body that binds and i will be unseen present in all things and sing of release oh my god amazing That's is he cool. okay <laughs> maybe not i think he has struggled with depression and stuff genuinely so uh yeah maybe not but i don't want to make but jokes the music now cool. after after reading that <laughs> but yeah guys... sorry go ahead oh no sorry i was just going to go into my bit but if you've got more then um go ahead well what you said about the depression is a an amazing interview on youtube of, with the whole band um, and the interview is just like what makes you not blow your brains out and um he asked oh that is he, really he insensitive it's really insensitive it's terrible um and then he's like you know asking them like when was the last time you were depressed what were you depressed about like what was your worst depression he's asking them all these like insanely personal questions is that an english was that an english interviewer or an american interviewer? american yeah i mean it could have gone either way I could, I could see graham norton doing that i could also see everyone in america doing that so if it was english <laughs> i knew it would be graham norton I'll remember that if I ever end up on Graham Norton. I'll, I'll go yeah. fast. Yeah, be careful. Be, he ends up in a lot of American listicles about horrible interviews. Listicles is a horrific word. I love like, that word. And when you live my life and you see, it, it's not like this anymore, but there was a, a time in my life where someone very close to me lived in a very dark world of her choosing. It's okay. You know, nothing to be worried about, but when you hear about murders and uh, assaults and child abuse as a matter of course, just throughout your day, mm. listicles about, oh, look, look who's prettier. It's a wonderful diversion. Fair enough. That's a very astute observation. Like sometimes we do need listicles. My my us. My wife taught me that because she said, with what she has to deal with her days yes she will read and mind you my wife has several advanced degrees you know she she needs things like twilight to just wash the awful away i, I think that's really interesting because i have my version of that and my version of that is keeping up with the kardashians you see right. that is just a listicle that it is, is just it, and i mean oh. and i read a lot of listicles about them so I feel like I know what that show is, though I've never seen a moment. It's like listening to a really sad Funeral Doom album. Um, <laughs> I mean this seriously. <laughs> All right, let's let Duncan talk about our name now. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, it starts with dark minor key clean guitar arpeggios with some delay and a droning sound in the background. And it builds gradually into these more slow, huge, massive doom riffs. Um, then it breaks down into kind of noisy, discordant, unsettling riffs. Then you've got more, more, more doom riffs with growled, but more melodic vocals this time. Still gruff and growly, but there's more melody you can discern within that. And it breaks down to this really cool feel that's like in what I would describe as a nine-eight half time. So it's like if that makes sense anyway, but it's a great feel. And then there's some almost black metal style trem picked bits where it sort of goes. I, I like doing these terrible impressions of guitar. They are tones, not terrible. They are beautiful. And I okay. live for them. All right. Well, there we go. Then I'll do more of them. So, yeah. um, And yeah. And it builds into a faster bit as well. This is where we're getting into the longer tracks. I think this one's over eight minutes. Um, so it's still kind of steady and groovy, but it's like a there you go. Um, and then you get to this other section where it goes a bit chuggy, but you've got some melodic kind of chanted layers of vocals. Um, and then for the outro, it changes gear again for this syncopated chuggy thing with screams over the top. He's going full on. 
and it's great yeah really cool track like it a lot another great track i mean frankly there's nothing there, there's nothing poor on this record but tracks like unnamed empires of dust they really remind me that as a guitar player doom metal was made for me because i can play any singular note on any metal record ever and in doom right. metal if you do it right if you can write That's it really all you need well to do. yeah i mean it's like here's the first note yeah. Wait ten minutes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's there's just I, I can add nothing that that Duncan that I can add nothing that Duncan hasn't already done. So I'm just gonna move to my hand, think about a steak, and go to La Mano Panderosa. Yeah, which means the powerful hand, I believe. Uh, yeah, but uh, Ponderosa is a steakhouse in America. Okay, no all right. Oh, there you go then. So, no, yeah, I, I mean, it's basically folded. It was a chain, but... Okay, right. All right, so this is so the longest this... track. So, We're sorry, sp- And this is not a good pun for two English people. I'm sorry. It's all right. We'll we'll deal with it. Um. So, yeah, Nina, what did you make of this one? So, I thought it was really cool Um. that they they go from, like, the sort of religious lyrical wise of the unnamed where he's talking about like sort of becoming everything and then in the Mano Poderoso I was reading about it it's like actually um part of like Mexican religious art and it's a, a really common motif in the religious art that actually originates from Europe so it's a colonial thing um and I, I it's really amazing looking I googled it and it's just like this brutal hand of like the stigmata coming out and there's like different figures so it's like I I'm think the figures yeah. closest to Christ so he's playing he's flanked by his parents his grandparents and, and Joaquim um and the symbol of the hand comes from the cult of Saint Anne so it's to do like the... oh I've got it now yeah this is cool sorry to interrupt but yeah it's a cool image right yeah, yeah we so need to have cool. more really well-read guests <laughs> Yeah, I just googled it to be fair. Um, oh, come on, let the, come on. We, we we had a thing. You could have just kept it. Could have kept it. <laughs> I read. I, I'm well read with Google. Like, thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, and the, the hands got like the stigmata thing. You might have already said that, but it's yeah. got the, the the cut in it and the blood spilling out in some of the versions of it. Yeah, it's cool. As, as someone who uh, speaks Mexican Spanish, loves to vacation in Mexico. Uh, I am a polyglot. That wasn't just a joke earlier. I speak also Japanese. But whenever you get the, if you ever get the chance in Mexico to go to a Catholic church, it is one of the coolest, most powerful experiences at how serious and frankly metal it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think they realize, but I love it. Yeah, nice. I think it's really like death practices, especially in South America. I was in oh, Peru yeah. the Day of the Dead. Peruvian Day of the Dead. Um, in in Mexico, the, they there there were when it started because Day of the Dead is actually a that's a Western Hemisphere that is not a Christian tradition that is a uh, Aztec or Toltec tradition. Yeah. So they would dig up the bodies on Day of the Dead and like spend time wow. with them, which is sounds, really sounds metal. fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For sure. Not not a weekend I'm going to take part of, but I'll get a sugar skull and a taco. In Peru, they would um, they would like go and make their dead relatives' favorite meal, and then go to the graveyards and then eat their relatives' favorite meal with them, which I think is so cool. That is way better than digging up the body and eating candy. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. I don't know, but I, I, I mean, know look, cool. as long as the body's consenting, I'm fine. But I don't know how you're gonna get consent from the body. I guess you have to like pre. You have to have life consent during life before they yeah. die Maybe okay fair enough fair enough you got to sign a, get a contract signed yeah a little thumbs up on your team you like, yes you can with this one. Oh my okay yeah. a bit dark. <laughs> <laughs> a bit british of me sorry <laughs> sorry bots let's <laughs> move forward move forward <laughs> okay have you got anything more on this uh this one nina or should uh, I no no my... duncan i think <laughs> you should just go ahead and take over okay. at this point <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah, this one starts with more big doom riffs with just a bit of a snare drum and then it gets heavier. And again, it's reminding me a bit of black metal with the discordant riffy harmonies on the guitar. Um, and then there's a bit where it goes into 
I would describe it as classic sludge. And you've got these very bluesy, growly vocals. And it kind of reminded me of Soundgarden mixed with Electric Wizard. Um, and you've got this weird time signature thing going on where it's like a three, a three, a three, and a seven, which actually adds up to 16. So it, arguably it's in four, four, but it doesn't feel like it. It's like, it feels like three, 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 seven. Um, so, but yeah, but it's very cool. Um, and it goes into another field change with these big gothic doom riffs. Um, and it gets a bit faster and you've got this syncopated, slightly kind of funky thing going on, but like doom funk, you know? Um, and yeah, then there's there's a, there's a kind of almost because there aren't really any guitar solos on this record at all. No, but there's a bit here where the, there are. I think there aren't any as such. But there's a bit where the guitar kind of takes the lead, but it's like textural chordal harmonies, and it's really interesting. So it's it it's leading, but it's not lead guitar as we would understand it normally. Um, and it continues to build and build and grow and grow with this post-rock style chord sequence. Um, and then you've got a few more changes in feel. So this is it's 11 minutes long, this, but it changes a lot. It's like a suite of different uh, se sections and segments. Um, and there's a bit of a drum solo. There's no guitar solos, but there's a kind of drum solo bit where you have a kind of breakdown and then there's two little maybe 10-second drum solo bits. Who and then you've got that? this chugging, grinding. It's cool, though. And then you've got this chugging, grinding doom bit before the end. So, yeah, again... Great track and certainly justifies its 11 minutes. The the best thing I can say about an 11 minute song, because I think we can all agree that 11 minutes is exceedingly long. That's half a side, basically. If you can make an 11 minute song where I never get tired of it, you've nailed it. And never at any point. And I mean, this whole record is is kind of a really long song which is the hallmark of either a doom metal or an early 90s hip-hop record. They right. both did that same thing, where it's basically a, a 45 to 60-minute track. And this album, for me, and this song in particular, it, it digs into me. It's not something I listen to every day. It's not the. It's not a routine listen, but my God, it is a powerful powerful listen and in terms of a music fan that's what i am i am there you go that's the pun i nearly missed that but that's track five um <laughs> so yeah nina take it away so this was i felt like the center of the album um even though the previous track is like the longest song i still felt like the crux of the album um in terms of the emotion i felt was really contained in this one because this seemed to be the most emotive track um, in my opinion, his voice is like really like you can see feel he's struggling with like the topic he's singing about. And this was the only one I could find lyrics for. Um, and the, the first words are literally dying is easy. It takes strength to breathe for the spark to go on. Sometimes we've got to bleed. We know what it's like to be alone. We know what it's like to be unknown. I think that's really sums up how the whole album feels. It's this like aching sadness and loneliness and. I think, um, you know, even though I've been very dark about it, I do apologize for that. Um, the, the album is definitely tackling like very personal mental health issues that I think that we all can relate to, um, in my opinion. Like it's very, as you say, it digs into you. It's not the, the kind of thing I would be able to listen to every day, but it's a really beautiful crystallization of what that feels like in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Totally no agree. apologies necessary. This we shoot for irreverence. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, no, this is this is another great track, and um, yeah, I agree with pretty much everything Nina said there. Yeah, the the vocals. He starts off doing this whisper growl thing, which is brilliant, um, very evocative and emotive. Um, and then as it goes on, he gets a bit more melodic, but still growly. And oh, and then he starts screaming as well, which is pretty intense. Um, yeah, and it again, it starts with the clean guitar. And gradually, gradually builds up. You've got the toms and bass coming in. You've got this groove, this repetitive hypnotic sort of um, groove going on. Um, but yeah, really cool. Quite a lot of post-rock influence going on here. Quite neurosis-y, I suppose. Um, and you can actually hear the lyrics in this. So 
later on, or so at least some of them later on, he's saying like went down to the river and it goes on and you can hear that really quite clearly. And it's almost, you've almost got um, a bluesy gospel type of vibe with that. Um, not the gospel choir, like when Poison got the gospel choir in on the album, Nick, nothing like that whatsoever. Wait but, a minute, um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have not had a single recurring trope, a recurring Bennett trope. Wonder if that means anything. Well, there you go. There you go. Exactly. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't think I've even said psychedelic on this one, which I tend to say. Every the, time. And there's psychedelia so there all over this thing. I guess there is actually. <laughs> and yeah. I haven't even quoted the mighty Boosh. I mean, we're doing nothing right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, again, he's doing some great weird stuff with the guitar. There's a point where I think it is guitar. But it's just like he does a sort of, I don't think you could really call it a solo, but it's just noise. It's just like a kind of noise, which I think is on the guitar. And it's great. And it just builds and builds in this hypnotic way. Um, and yeah, it's very intense. Um, yeah, but brilliant track. What I find interesting about this one, and as Nina brought up the lyrics, I feel like this record is crushing sadness completely feel that way but i feel like i am is that holding one's head high it, it's the for me this is the end of the record because if it ain't on the vinyl it don't exist so that's what i'm st i said it i'm sticking with it so but this is the you know the you're not gonna defeat me i'm gonna put one foot in front of the other and as somebody, there's a reason why The Wall is my favorite Pink Floyd record, as I've referenced at least 1,875 times on this podcast <laughs> and my other podcast. The you know, in, you know, dying is easy. It takes strength to breathe. And I can remember in my depressed, dark days in high school being told very similar things by my friends. And that's a big deal. You know, yes, we have problems. Yes. There is crushing loneliness, but we can get through it or we can give up getting through. You're going to get way more out of this. You're going to get way more out of it if you don't give up and keep moving forward. So this kind of optimistic kind of, you know, I, I thought I had another word for optimistic, but I don't. Song is a great way to end the album proper. The next track is a bonus, and the third little track after that is an outro. And they had room on the on the vinyl to put those, so it. it I feel like because there was room, they they don't really matter to me. But that's besides. But that's that's. Are we going to talk about them briefly as well, or uh, do a thirty sec? Do a thirty seconds on it if you want. But to me, this okay. is this is well, the, the the true end of the record because it's it's the misery, it's the depression, yeah. and it's the. Well, I'm not giving up. Anyway. Yeah, well, well, the outro is like, that's just on the piano and it's played by Peggy Doyle and it's on a really out of tune piano with the sustain pedal down on full and it's weird and discordant, but it has a certain charm, but it's a bit different. And it, yeah, it's fine. As an outro, it's fine. It's just a two minute song. Um, but the immutable path, that's pretty cool. Um, so it starts with like synthy effects and noise and builds. You've got this rumbling drum roll, drum roll, sorry, that builds into like this almost war march style tom and bass thing. And it just keeps gradually building. And then it, it builds up this uh, vocal chant again. Um, yeah, and it's it's cool. But yeah, I kind of agree, though, in a way with you, Nick. I think the, the real meat of the album is in those first five tracks. Um, so, yeah, Nino, I don't know what you made of these last two. Yeah, I, I felt like the last two was just ba basically winding down um, the album, like atmospherically and, and sort of, um, yeah. But in the words of, of the lyrics of I Am, we went down to the river to drink, but it was low. We lay by the edge to wait for us to carry, to wait for it to carry us home. I made a real meal of that one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, I feel like I'm just being carried home at this point. It's sort of, um, yeah, like the afterthought potentially or the, uh, the epilogue. So it was interesting. I think um, I felt like I'd already tasted the album and this was sort of just washing it down and, and it winding down, yeah. Well, I guess now yeah. we move into our sum up. Uh, Nina, I will allow you to go first. The rating scale, of course, is spin it or bin it, a binary rating scale. Either you'll listen again or you won't. Um, I will definitely listen to this again. I'll probably have to leave it a little little longer. I, I can't listen to this every day. 
Um, it's not the lightest listening material, but yeah, I very much enjoyed it. Duncan? Cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a spin it for me. Um, it's intense, crushing doom, but it's also, it's its own thing. There's a bit of post-rock in there. I guess there's a bit of what gets called grunge in there. There's a lot of variation, even though it all sounds cohesive, but there are a lot of different sort of movements and different sections and segments within the tracks. Um, a lot of varied vocal styles as well, but again, it all sounds like the same person singing. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to dig into on repeat listens. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a uh, hidden gem, this one. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think most people know much about this at all, but but it's brilliant, so yeah. If I may, in my sum up, I would obviously everybody knows I'm a spin it. I bought it on vinyl. I, at the time when I was buying records, I did not have a whole lot of extra money for records. I was just beginning my collection. That was not when I had uh, 1105 in the room. I had seven. But so I would buy like one or two records a month. And I was reviewing 20 albums a month at that time. And I would buy the best records of, of the month that I would review. So naturally I bought this one. I love doom metal. And this is the exact kind of record. Why I started this podcast, why Duncan and I started listening to wacky records with all the wrong people on them that nobody's heard of back in 2020. Duncan and I have been doing this, this thing for three years now. And unfortunately, what I learned in the three years is that most of these records are not good. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> we do have more Binits than Spinits. And it, they can make for very amusing episodes, but it's great when we get a Spinit. Um, and this is the yeah. kind of record why I started doing this, why I came up with this, because you know what? That one crazy Metallica record with Lou Reed is great. Most people don't agree, but they're wrong. Well, I agree. And that's and I don't like Metallica generally, but that was, yeah, that right. converted me. And I bought it before we'd even recorded the episode, having just listened to it. So there you go. Exactly. And this is the kind of record of why we do this. So we can dig through the dust, dig through all these side projects and find this gem of a record that everyone should hear. And you can go to their band camp right now and get their kick-ass, amazingly vinyl, I'm sorry, lava-colored vinyl release of this record. It's 23 damn dollars. Yeah, I'm a spin go. it. Go buy it. All right. Well, on that note, I think that's about all I've got. That is all I have. Nina, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for putting up with me. Duncan, as always, you are amazing and you are a wonderful, powerful oak tree who keeps all of this <laughs> together. With that being said, we know in this world there are a million squillion billion podcasts. The fact that you've taken uh, 49 to 58 minutes of your life to listen to this one is humbling and wonderful. And hopefully you will come back next week Thank you very much. This is the Glacier Musical Podcast. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. This is the Department of Metal Antiquities. Yeah, that's the uh, other, that's his other podcast. That's he didn't just make <laughs> up a random thing. Yeah. No, I, I screwed up. Uh, I don't remember the tagline for when it's good. Uh, oh, wait, we, wait, wait, wait. This is the Department of Metal Antiquities. We listened. Now it's your turn. There you go. Is that even right? Absolutely. Uh, it, It'll do, Nick. Yeah, it'll do. Um, yeah, thank you, Nina. Um, yeah, it's been great to have you on the show. And thank you to everybody for listening. And now go listen to this album, Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. <laughs>